I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. So let's get to our scripture today because I believe that what a lot of people, even Christians, think is the point of Christmas is still not the main point. And um, many of you will know this, but I believe that there's five Christmas encounters embedded in the prophecy about the coming of Christ. And here's the challenge. I believe that the Christmas story is not just about Christ coming to Mary. It's about Christ in you, the hope of glory. And as long as we think it's only about Christ coming to Mary or being born in Mary or birthed in Mary, we miss the personal connection that we have with the Christmas story. It remains something that happens for us, but not in us. And that's the key we want to focus on today. So let's uh, read a passage that was already read uh, this morning from Isaiah 9, 6. It says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray. Father, again, I thank you that your word is eternally powerful. I thank you that your word is living and it's active, and I pray that you'd make it so in this place. Bring alive your words in the spiritual realm to impact our physical reality. Lord, we yield ourselves to you and your kingdom, and we ask it for your glory. Amen. So, Notice these words from Isaiah, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. So the prophetic intention of, of God was that Christ would be formed in you. Not just that Christ would be formed in Mary, but that Christ would be formed in you. That was the heart of the Father towards us. We even see this in the message that the angels gave to the shepherds. They said in Luke 2.11, they said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. See it? Unto us, then unto the shepherds, unto you. All right, and so what happened to Mary of having a virgin birth to be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit that Christ could be formed in her is actually a prophetic picture of what God wants for every single person on the planet. <clears throat> Not a physical baby, okay, although, you know, there's, there's wonder and glory in that too but that the person of Christ would be formed and would be manifested in and through you, which is why it says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, or to the shepherds, unto you this day is born a child in the city of David who is Christ the Lord. And so we go back to this passage about unto us, and there are five names of Jesus 
that are actually inviting you into five encounters with the indwelling Christ. Five encounters with the abiding presence of Jesus Christ inside of you. And the first name is the name Wonderful. And you know why it starts with Wonderful? Because salvation is a sign and a wonder. Salvation is a sign and a wonder. Guys, listen. What separates Christianity from every other religion in the world is that ours starts with an encounter. The only way into the kingdom of God is through a sign and a wonder. None of us could save ourselves. Come on, here it is. Do you see Jesus and Mary? Do you see that Mary couldn't make herself pregnant as a virgin? It was impossible for Christ to be birthed in her. It was impossible for a God child to be birthed in her outside of a wonder. Christianity is not just another religion. It's not a moral code. It's not a bunch of spiritual principles. It is a sign and a wonder. You must be born again. There is no other way into the kingdom of God but for Christ, for the Holy Spirit to overshadow you so that the person of Jesus Christ can literally indwell you. And guys, that is part and focus of the Christmas story. Not just that Christ was supernaturally formed in Mary by the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, but that you too can be overshadowed. That all of your sense of religion and inadequacy and incompetence and not being enough could be overshadowed by the wonder of God's love and his grace. That Christ could be formed in you through a radical act of love and the righteousness of God could be imparted into you. It's a wonder. Come on, it's wonderful. The first encounter, see every name of God, every attribute of God, every virtue of God is actually an invitation to an encounter. And in this prophecy of Isaiah about the coming of Christ, we have five names that are mapping out the encounter of Christ being formed in you. It starts with the wonder of salvation. And then it goes to counselor. Why does it go to counselor? Because once Christ is formed in you, Christ is your Lord. Come on, he's your leader. He's your counselor. He's your guide. And, and, and he's the shepherd who leads you somewhere. And so after salvation, after the wonder of salvation, comes the direction. It comes the purpose. God wants every person to know that they have a purpose for being here. Come on, you have a purpose on the earth. There is a reason for, for you being here. And, and that reason is amplified by Christ in you, the counselor. He will not just birth this thing in a wonder and, and then leave. But your life will be filled with wonders. But it will also be directed. Direction and wisdom. Counsel. 
God is there to speak to you. God is there to guide you. God is there to show you a greater sense of purpose. And man, if you are listening online or you're in this house today and you are looking for direction, I want you to know the counselor's in you. The counselor is inside of you. Unto you is born, come on, today. Unto you is born today a counselor and he's in you. The third name is Mighty God. Mighty God. Why? Because with purpose must come power and authority. Did you know that understanding your purpose is part of manifesting your power and authority? I know that the scripture says that all power and authority has been given unto us. But people don't understand that your power and authority is linked to the measure of your rule or the sphere of your influence. In other words, it's linked to your purpose. Because people are like, I have all the power, I have all power and authority in Christ. Yeah, it's true, but you don't have all power and authority everywhere. Come on, you can't walk out in the street and start stopping traffic. Because you have all power and authority on the, on, on the interstate. Now, I know some of you drive like you have all power and authority on the interstate. I drive like the wonderful counselor on the interstate. I, I instruct the other drivers, but, but you're, they need counsel. I, I noticed. Anybody else notice? They need counsel. And, uh, and so power and authority, see, with your God-given purpose, you need the God-given power and authority to fulfill that. Because God doesn't just call you to something you can do. God calls you to something bigger than you. Come on, that's one of the ways that you know it's God. Because God calls you to something you can't do. He calls you to something bigger than you. One of the greatest tragedies, one of my greatest fears in the permissible realm of fear is to live an explainable life. Christianity, true followers of Christ, following Jesus is not supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be impossible. No, it's true. Following Jesus is never meant to be hard because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But it is meant to be impossible. You can't do the real thing without the real thing. <laughs> you can't do real Christianity, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. You can't do the real thing without the real thing. Because you have power and authority, but the thing is that power and authority is linked to your purpose. See, again, I have all power and authority. You can't come in my home and start bossing my kids around or speaking to my wife like you have authority in my home or you're going to see some five-fold ministry <laughs> and the laying on of hands suddenly. Because <laughs> that authority is not appropriate in that environment. You see what I'm saying? See, you have 
You have power and authority over everything that comes into your world and everything that affects your world. But you also have a sphere of influence that God has ordained for you to have an incredible, exceptional amount of power and authority in. And it's linked to your purpose. Because God is not just a God of wonders. He's a God of counsel. And from the counsel of his purpose, he gives you the might and the power and the authority of heaven to accomplish that purpose. Some of you in this house today, you need direction, but some of you, you need to tap into the power and the authority that's in your purpose. You need to realize that Christ in you wants to manifest in might. He wants to manifest in power. In the book of Daniel, it says, those that know their God will be mighty and do great exploits. The greatness comes from knowing him, not just as your savior, but as mighty God. Come on, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you. The same power that overshadowed Mary to form Christ in her, an impossible situation. I want you to know that that is the same power that saved you, and that is the same power that abides in you right now, the mighty God. He's not just asking you to do the stuff. He's saying, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, all fruitfulness comes from remaining in the person of Jesus Christ. Christians make the mistake of saying, I want to get closer to Jesus. How can you get closer than in? <laughs> what they usually mean by that is I want to perform up to the standards that are worthy of what Christ has done for me. That's probably not going to happen. You're probably not going to achieve that little thing. You came in by grace. You ought to stay in the grace of God. And from that grace, dwell in Christ and practice those things that will strengthen the connection that God's already given you in Christ Jesus. There's power and authority, but it's not outside in, it's inside out. Because the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. And guys, this is part of the Christmas story. <laughs> Come on, wonderful. Counselor, mighty God. Now this fourth one's a little bit confusing. Everlasting Father. And, and honestly, I, I had to do some research on this even. Because Jesus is not the Father. All right, some people have this weird doctrine that Jesus and the Father and Holy Spirit are all actually one person. Um, and... You know, if that were true, then at the baptism of Jesus, he was busy. <laughs> because as he was going, you know, into the water, the father spoke from heaven. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So I guess while Jesus was under the water, he threw his voice like ventriloquism up to heaven and then spoke over himself. And then while under the water, he jumped up to heaven and fell down like a dove on himself. No, none of those things happen. Why? Because it's 
God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So why is he called eternal father here? And what does it have to do with our Christmas encounter? Well, first of all, in the Eastern culture of the time, you have to understand that when someone had a dominant virtue, they would call them father. Like if a person was really wise, they would say they're a father of wisdom. If they were unwise, they would say you're the father of fools. As a matter of fact, I'm told that they still do that to this day in some of those cultures that you father the virtue that you most represent. And we see that in Abraham when he's called the father of the faith. Did Abraham start the faith? No, but he's considered a father because it was a dominant virtue within his life. And his act of obedience started a inheritance that we're still benefiting from today. And so he was the patron or representative of a divine virtue. And so he's called father of the faith. Now, Adam is called the father of all mankind. But through Adam, we receive natural life that ends in death. Jesus is called the second Adam. And he gives us life in the spirit that never ends, which makes him an eternal father. Do you see what I'm saying? But if we go deeper into this, I was looking this up and, and actually this word from, for father comes from an Arabic root, which means divider of the spoils. Divider of the spoils. You know what spoils are? Spoils are what the warriors get when the battle is over. They divide up all the spoils, all the stuff they captured and all the stuff they took. And they divide it among all the warriors. And when it's talking about Jesus being the eternal father, we need to understand that eternity didn't birth Jesus. Jesus birthed the eternal. Jesus birthed the eternal life within us and he brings to us the spoils of eternity. No, you, you got to get that. You didn't get it. I'm telling you. <laughs> he brings to you as eternal father, he brings you the spoils of eternity. Come on, he, he ended the futility of natural life and death. He said, I came to give you life more abundantly, life to the fullest. The thief has come to steal and to kill and destroy, but I've come to give you life more abundantly. In other words, I've come to distribute the spoils of the eternal realm. Father of the eternal Father is also known for nurturing and provision. And I want to say that even in the way that counselor relates to direction in your life and purpose in your life, that the eternal father means you're never going to run out of provision for everything the father's called you to do. Come on, we're not coming from a kingdom of lack and scarcity we're coming from a kingdom of abundance and fullness. 
And as eternal father, he is distributor of the spoils of eternity with the fatherly heart towards you in provision and in nurture, which means you're going to have everything you need to fulfill God's purposes in the earth. You know, some of us need to get off the throne of Jehovah Jireh today. It happens a lot to men, but I know it can happen to ladies too. But, you know, men, we have this idea that we're the provider for your, for your home. I want you to know that throne is occupied. That throne is occupied. One of the reasons that you're feeling so much pressure in finances and so much stress in your job is because you're on the throne as provider. One of the challenges with that is this, like, is it important to be responsible to um, be an avenue of provision for your family? Absolutely, absolutely. The scripture says the, the person who doesn't work doesn't eat. Like, let's just be practical here. There's supposed to be a connection between those two things. So we're not talking about some kind of lazy, reckless provision attitude we are talking about being responsible and working and, and, and being an avenue of provision. But when you believe that you are the provider of your house, then your salary is the limit of your provision. If you believe you're the provider of your house, then your salary is the limit of your provision. But if you believe that God is your provider, then your salary is one of the streams of many streams of provision that God has for you. And sometimes we don't see the provision God has for us because we're on the throne. We wonder why it's not working. Well, because you got the wrong person on the throne. That's a form of idolatry. When you have to ask your money permission to do what God's told you to do, then God, then your God is mammon. Your God is money. If you, if you say, well, Lord, I'd like to do this that I feel you're calling me to do, but I don't have enough money to do it. Oh, well then you have to ask your money permission to serve God, which means your God is money. But what if you, the spoils of eternity were available to you through someone who has the heart and the name of a provider? What if there was an eternal amount of provision available to you? Unending supply available to you. All you have to do is get off the throne and make room for the eternal father. The distributor of the spoils of the eternal realm. That's who's been born unto you. That's what Christ in you will produce. Amen. 
see there's still this weird outside in kind of thing in how we relate to the Christmas story. Yeah, God did this for us because he loves us and he did this for Mary because she found favor with him and he overshadowed her and Christ was born in her and all that resulted in me being blessed. You know what, that's all true. But it's only half of the truth. The goal was always unto us. Not just for us, but unto us. Unto you a son has been given. Unto you a child is born. Christ in you is the hope of glory. But how do you practically access that? Well, you access that through the names that were prophesied over you. It starts with a wonder of encountering Christ and being born again. You must be born again. It's the only way to enter the kingdom of God. But then don't stop there. Come on, so many people know Jesus as the door. They know Jesus as the way, but they don't know Jesus as anything more. So they just stand in the door or stand in the way. Come on, Jesus is the door into something. And so it starts with a wonder of your salvation and takes you to a counselor in your purpose and your direction. And from that place of counsel, God will say, you don't have to do it alone for I am the mighty God. And I will give you the power and authority to do everything that I've called you to do. And then as eternal father, I'll pick up the tab. There's miracles of provision about to be released in this house, over this house, and over its people. I'm telling you, there's miracles right now. It's not too late for a miracle this week. Just get off the throne. Just get off the throne and make room for Jehovah Jireh. And then know that Christ in you is the eternal provider, the distributor of the spoils of eternity. And this last one, the Prince of Peace. I love this. Prince of Peace. Because in spiritual warfare terms, this means principality. Jesus is a peace principality. He is a ruler, a general of peace. He leads by peace and he fights with peace. He fights from peace. Peace is first a person. Do you see it? He's the prince of peace. And the first thing we have to do when we're struggling with peace is embrace the person of peace. The prince of peace. We have to, again, we're not just trying to get peace inside of us. We are reconciling the truth that the Prince of Peace lives within you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's not outside in. Oh, Lord, I need you to touch me with your peace. Yes, you do. But it's from the inside out, not from outside in. The Prince of Peace is ruling and reigning in my heart. That's how peace becomes the principality that guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. It's an inside-out thing because the Prince of Peace is enthroned in you. What kind of peace can we see? 
Well, of course, first of all, was peace with God. That any division that was between you and God called, caused by rebellion, caused by sin, caused by ignorance, caused by disobedience, God made it right through the person of Jesus Christ, and he brings us peace with God. And here's another fun one. It actually means peace with the devil. I don't mean that the devil is peaceful towards you. I just mean that his accusations don't have any effect on you anymore. That voice that says never enough, never enough, never enough. You haven't prayed enough. You haven't fasted enough. You haven't read Bible enough. You haven't witnessed enough. You haven't prayed for enough sick people. You haven't. And it always wants more. And it always says never enough. The Prince of Peace comes in and says, well done, good and faithful servant. And you're like, but I haven't done anything yet. You believed. Come on, they, they asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, what do we have to do to do the works of him who sent, sent us? And he said, believed on the one who sent you. Believed on the one who sent you. And it brings peace, that sense of inadequacy, that sense of incompetence, that sense of not being enough or not being able. That's not true. That's your old self. That is not Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the enemy that is screaming and demanding for more is just another spirit of religion trying to deceive you. And you've got to find your peace in Christ, in his righteousness that says, well done, good and faithful servant. Because as long as you're making you the center of this thing, you're off center. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And what's that do? That brings peace with yourself. Come on, your internal dialogue is profound. They say that you can speak to yourself at 20,000 words a minute. No wonder you're so worn out. Separating your voice from God's voice. That's what the Prince of Peace does. He helps you take every thought captive and make it obedient to the knowledge of Christ. He helps you cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. He, he empowers you to move from complaining and murmuring to actually thanksgiving. You see, murmuring and complaining is actually the praise and worship of the kingdom of darkness. And in the same way, in the same way that God inhabits the praises of his people, Satan inhabits the praises of his. When you complain and murmur, you create a throne for him to sit on in your life. The word complain means to build a house, to build a tent, or to tie or tether. But thanksgiving is a gateway. 
we enter his gates with thanksgiving. When we choose to give thanks rather than to complain, we actually open up all the possibilities of the heavenly realm. And it's the Prince of Peace that allows us to do that. It's the inside-out peace of the indwelling Christ that makes this difference. And I just feel like so many of us have believed onto what God did in Mary for us. And that's beautiful. That still can result in salvation. But many of these other virtues are escaping you. They're escaping you because you have not personalized yet the indwelling of this fivefold virtues prophesied in the coming of Christ. Come on, the one inside of you is full of wonders. Wonderful. No limit. The one inside of you is a counselor, is a director is unveiling and unfolding eternal purposes. Come on, you were created. You are God's handiwork created with a purpose in mind. Created with a purpose in mind. God wants to unveil that purpose because in that purpose, you'll find your power and authority. You'll experience him as mighty God. When you step into the arena of your destiny, the authority and power of heaven is backing you in everything you do. Mighty God. And in that place is, is the provision. The vision is the source of the provision. It's being in the field of your favor where you find what God has provided for you. Where you experience the spoils of eternity being distributed to you where there is supply for everything the father's called you to do and then finally and from that place from that sweet place you become a principality of peace come on what if everybody in this room became a territorial spirit of peace Doesn't the scripture says greater is the one who is in you than he that's in the world? Greater is the one who is in you than he that's in the world. We're all worried about what territorial spirits over my office or over my neighborhood or, and that's real. Okay. But instead of just fighting them, why don't you become one? Why don't you become a territorial spirit? Why? Listen, the principality the divine ruler, the ultimate general of peace lives inside of you. Why don't you live from that peace inside out and begin to project that into the atmosphere until every home and every neighborhood and every job and every place we go, we are representing the principality of peace. We can't be shaken because of who lives in you. See, the mystery of incarnation is phenomenal. That the person born inside of Mary was fully God and fully man. But there is also a mystery of incarnation in you that God wants to impart to you his divine nature. 
He wants you to be partakers of the divine nature and he has adopted you into his God family. Come on, you got a Godfather. And he is one bad dude in his goodness. Don't mess with me, man. I got a Godfather. You see what I'm saying? But it's, but it's inside out. It's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. It is not just seeing that, oh, all this was done for me. Yes, it was all done for you. But it also, through the wonder of salvation, is done in you. And guys, there were several mysteries that were hidden throughout the ages. And one of the greatest of those mysteries that Paul considered himself an ambassador was revealed in Colossians chapter 1. And in Colossians 1, he talks about, to this end and to this purpose, I strive with all his energy. Like, this is what I'm trying to do. This is what I live for. And this is what he said in verse 27. He said, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Let not Christmas be for you just, oh yeah, Jesus was born through the Virgin Mary, this supernatural event that happened so that Christ could love us and give his life for us. All that's true and all that's good, but you're missing the point. The point is Emmanuel, Christ in you, Christ for you, Christ with you. It's the indwelling Christ that is the hope of glory. And the indwelling Christ is the same one who was prophesied. And the hope of Christmas is really to know unto us a child was born. Unto us Christ was given through wonders, through counsel, through might, through provision, and through peace that we could be people of a different order. We could be people of a different kind. This is the mystery of the ages that was not meant to be a mystery. And unfortunately, it's still a mystery to many believers because Paul said repeatedly, don't you know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? Come on, quit living like a timeshare, renting space out. <laughs> You're not a timeshare, you're a temple. The indwelling Christ. And these fivefold virtues are waiting to be unveiled inside of you just through your acknowledgement. And you're like, Dano, it can't be that simple. Yes, it is that simple. Because go back to salvation. What did you do? You just asked and believed. That's all you did. You asked and believed. You heard enough of the gospel. You heard enough of the truth. You saw enough, felt enough, heard enough to say, I do. And in that moment, relating to Christ as Savior, release salvation inside of you. That was the wonderful part. It doesn't end. There's more wonders than that. But every one of you started with a sign and a wonder. But as we relate to Christ as counselor, as we relate to the indwelling Christ as mighty God, as we identify with the distributor of the spoils of eternity, and as we relate to him as the principality of peace, these virtues are also released inside of us. 
Remember, you just simply believed and said yes. And I'm telling you that it's the same way. It's the same path. That's why this kingdom of God, you come into it like a little child because of the simplicity of just identifying with the person of Christ that's been born unto you, in you, that Christ might be formed in you to the glory of God. And so, Father, right now, we thank you that every person in this room or listening online that has maybe even heard religious stuff, maybe even gone to church, but, but doesn't, has never been born again. They've never really had a transforming encounter. Lord, I thank you that today is the day of salvation right now. It's your day. It's your time. Man, angels are leaning near because they love to throw salvation parties, man. And, and every time somebody repents, gives their life to Jesus, all of heaven rejoices. Come on, heaven is leaning in, waiting to rejoice over your response to the Christ in you. Wonderful. But Lord, I also release into this room faith and grace to take a hold of the full virtues of who you are. I thank you for those that are confused. I speak to the cloud of confusion. Dissolve and dissipate right now. And Lord, we relate to you as the counselor within us and we release the purposes of heaven. Purposes that were formed before we were even born. You knit us together with a sense of making a difference, of a purpose, of a direction. And I pray that that would be unveiled. And I pray that the people that are already in their purpose but don't see it would see it and believe. Lord, I thank you for the might of God, that you are mighty God. And Lord, we release miracles in this place to get today. Healing over bodies, Lord, deliverance over bondages. Lord, we thank you that that freedom and that might, power, and authority is in this room, but it is also in us. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. The same power that raised Christ from the dead, mighty God, is in me. Father, we thank you for the spoils of eternity. And Lord, we step off the throne today. We step off the throne of provider. We, we, we throw off the label of Jehovah Jireh over ourselves. And we embrace you as our provider, as the eternal father. Lord, the one who distributes the very spoils of eternity that there is so much abundance in you. And Father, right now, I pray that streams of provision would be opened up to your people. That as we step off the throne of being the sole provider of our household, that Lord, that pressure would come off and that provision would come in. I call in financial miracles now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. And Lord, most of all, we can have so many things and still not have peace. Lord, we can have so many, so much success and so many friends and a great family and all the stuff we want and still be desperate, be lonely. Lord, we can still feel apart. And I thank you that you are the Prince of Peace, not just for us, but you are the Prince of Peace in us. 
And I pray for that principality of peace to overtake our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. As we identify with you, Christ in us, as the person of peace, the general of the armies of peace, Lord, we thank you that everything comes under the authority of your rule, your reign, and your peace that passes understanding. And I pray for miracles of peace to happen in this room over troubled minds, over troubled hearts, over troubled spirits, over troubled situations. I thank you that none of it is beyond your purview, Lord. None of it is beyond your seeing or your ability. And we call the principality of peace in this room, but in our hearts to rule and to reign and to manifest the wonders of this kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.